October 12, 2021. It's the Watch for Pedro Show. Sometimes I get down Hey, then other times I get up Cause I'm on the ground in the streets and my hands in my face Yeah, the last time you came around 
show happy tuesday starting to show off with nature boy from the both directions at work uh once version john coltrane yeah it's npr somebody's having a story about the cat who actually was a role model for that tune rough life uh and then susto after that we get down and we gotta give big uh credit to dylan dickerson columbia for making this connect because those uh skype engineers from estonia i got with me Justin Osborne. Welcome aboard, Justin. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, really interested in your journey through music. So try to go back as far as you can. Bring me your earliest musical memory. Well, I I remember being, like riding around listening to the radio and wanting to sing, you know, so like I and but also no one really wanted to hear me sing because I had a very untrained uh, voice, you know. Um, but how how old are we probably, talking? I mean, probably seven or eight. Okay. I mean, as long as I can remember. I mean, as, as long as I can remember, I wanted to, like, anytime I saw people doing live music, like, out with my parents or whatever, like, I, I wanted to be doing it. I wanted to, like, I was just drawn to it. Can you, um, and can also you remember the, the first gig? Can you remember the first gig you saw? I I don't know if I remember the first one, but I remember some early ones. Like my parents were like really big in the church. So we would go to these like Christian rock concerts. And I remember just being blown away and thinking like, wow, this is rock and roll. But I would find out later it was just like uh, kind of a fake rock and roll. But well, um, you know, a lot of things you know, are mixed together, right? Because if you right, think yeah. about it, a lot of early rock and rollers, they learned how to sing in church. Absolutely. And, and I'm grateful for that. So that was kind of like my first avenue into performing music so like I, I remember seeing people play at restaurants and stuff and always just you know it's gigging really was all they were doing but I was just like I was enamored by it and I loved it and and so I when I was in my early teens I um I kind of my granddad had passed away a few years before that and he had left me and my brothers this little Yamaha parlor guitar had like three strings on it 
<laughs> and uh, when my parents would go out the house or something, or they'd go to run errands, I'd be like, oh, you know, I'm gonna stay home, and and I would find that guitar because they hit my parents hit it from us because they didn't want us to break it, but. Um, I would pick it. I would. I knew where it was. I would pull it out and I would play with it as long as I could until I saw the car pull in the driveway and I rushed and put it back up. Eventually, I got caught and my parents weren't upset. They thought it was cool and they um they helped me get some strings on it and uh, and then I just kind of started self teaching. I had a couple lessons, I guess, probably when I was thirteen or fourteen. But but then I I kind of started writing songs from the get go. Like I was learning songs that I wanted to learn, but also like. I was really drawn to the idea of like taking whatever I was feeling in my life, even as like a, you know, a, an early teen or a preteen even like, and, and kind of unpacking that with, uh, with a song. And, and at first that was just like, you know, like having crushes on girls and stuff like that, and, but it's evolved. But, and I started performing live, like in my church youth groups and stuff. And then like, I started a band in the 10th grade and we'd play people's birthday parties. Well, let me ask you about school, out. Justin, let me ask you about school. Even before tenth grade and shit, were you in the choir or the marching band or shit like that? No, I was never in anything like that. Like I always went to these little obscure um, private Christian schools, and and I actually got kicked out of one of them in the tenth grade because I put my first album out. It's this like kind of like it was our best attempt at a punk band. It was called Killed in Action, and we uh, we had this song about the school we were going to, and we released the album over uh, over Christmas break. And then the first day I got back from Christmas break, they kicked me out. <laughs> oh, so sorry about that. But that's bitching that you made a fucking album in 10th grade. Now, let yeah, me ask you about that. Let me ask you about it. It's not something I would share at this point in my life. But no, no, but still, you got to start somewhere, right? Nobody gets on a skateboard and starts pulling ollies, right? I mean, you got to start, right? So, because I was going to ask you about afternoon after school. Like the bedroom band, the garage band, the basement band. So you started doing that with your buddies. That was that was the the intro for me. And I was like, once I started like meeting other people who also were like trying to pick up guitar or drums or whatever, there was a handful of us just kind of gravitated towards each other. And yeah, yeah, we would go we would go to either one of their houses or my house and and just jam. And that was you know I think that's how a lot of people kind of get their start. And that was definitely the quintessential. Well, I got to tell you, me and D. Boone, you know, we tried copying songs off records because that's what was going on in the 70s, bullshit. But were you guys, it sounds like you were just jamming, so trying to, not just trying to copy songs, but... Well, we were definitely trying to copy. I mean, we, we, we weren't proficient enough at instruments to really... Yeah, jam, neither were we. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were like, you know, we'd pick a few chords and say, okay, and then I'd try and write some lyrics over it. And then yeah. there was also a lot of us just covering songs that we liked at the time. Too. Yeah, but you, you said something about that, that things would come into your life and you would want to write yeah. a song about it. Yeah, I mean, I think I was compelled to do that even before I was able to do it. Yeah, like that yeah. Was what drew me it was like the idea of writing songs and singing them. Like, just I was obsessed with it, and I still am. You know, I'm a lot further down the road at this point, but it, it was. I mean, I, I I can't really remember not being drawn to it because I remember even before I thought that maybe it was something I could do, like just myself being really affected by songs and like feeling like whenever I was feeling a lot of stuff, you know, I could. Uh, I could turn to music and list as a listener, and um, and that that kind of quickly turned into me wanting to to do it myself too. Now, like with your the, your dudes, right? You're jamming with after school in the afternoon. Uh, do you did you see them as like, man, these guys could help me uh, build the music behind my songs, or did you want to like make you know help them write their songs? Awesome. 
It was it was both. I think there was like there was it was definitely just very innocent and pure. So we I was just happy to have friends. Honestly, because there was a lot of points in my life where like I had moved from one city to the next and like didn't I didn't know a ton of people and that was the starting to play music was kind of how I started to make friends. It would be the um, common ground, right, with cats that you yeah. wanted to hang out with. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell me the first and, record you bought with your own money, Justin? The first record I bought with my own money. I think was this like single for it was a CD single for this band called like Citizen um, Kane or not Citizen Kane. Citizen Cope. No, not Citizen Cope. It was this other band. You know him because I I I got to I got to do some uh, gigs with that cat. I mean, out on the I do I, I shared do the stage. I didn't Cope. play with him, but he was an interesting guy uh, out of DC area. Yeah, I, I've seen him live, and I was I'm definitely a fan. But this was something before that. It was like. They had this song, I've seen better days, I've been starved many a place. And I can't remember exactly what this oh, is. Yeah. But I but I bought that single and uh and then I also was like getting into other stuff too, but I remember that was the first time I like and it was a cheap one because it was just a single. I liked this single. Well that's why I asked the question, because when you're a kid, man, you ain't got much money, so but the what you spend right. it on is pretty <laughs> and I I was just curious about it and stuff. So now this band that you guys make that made the album, what was your name? Well, we were called Killed in Action, and uh, <laughs> it was kind of, but you know it was, it was pretty like hardcore name for like yeah. kids at, at Christian school. But yeah. I like I had like got my granddad. Well, you know what? You know what? Jesus, Jesus got kind of killed in action too. So exactly. Maybe too yeah, far away. <laughs> that's but that's they that's a trip. You know. You know. Look. We like horror movies and, and you know some stuff is for pretending right we don't want it to be right it's kind yeah. of just for the maybe the thrill or some shit right they call them thrillers you're not really wanting to the act out on it yeah right yeah it was like I, my granddad had been in world war ii and like i had i was obsessed with his like scrapbook that he had as a pow and there were all these like um drawings in there that he and his friends had made like while they were pow's because he was a pow in world war ii for like 18 months or something. And, uh, I mean, he was passed away at this time, but that, that relic of his, his, uh, scrapbook was something that was really important in my life. It's something I still have to this day. And, um, and there was like this, this like one picture that was like a tribute to their, their like buddies that had, that had died in combat. And, and we used that, even though it was not relevant to the songs at all, it was just like really, to me, it was like a really meaningful, powerful, image and also it had the words like killed in action or so like that was um it took it from that um and whether or not it didn't really fit no it's heavy you know what i remember that when i was a boy and the vietnam war was happening they'd have on the news and it'd be kia yeah right and then you know mias and all this kind of like statistics every day and man it seemed like we'd always have some but like you know, the other guy, man, it was like buttloads. And it was like, is this ever going to end? I mean, is this guy to kill everybody? I, I, no, that shit is intense. Look, you gave me this Heavy music. Susto doing Life is Suffering. Yeah. I want, I want to play that. that. Yeah, go for it.
blue sun The river runs wide and crooked at times Swells up with the hurricane rain I don't mind, it doesn't happen all the time I was born to bear a hurricane I was born to bear a hurricane They say you can't foresee the weather But you can stand in the wind You can thank the sky when the cotton grows high Curse the dirt when it's dead again Curse the dirt when it's dead again Suffering, but love and family make hard work in the hot sun. Okay, when the day is done.
if his head comes out in the right direction in the middle of the intersection and then he goes back in reading to where he began reading
across the floor. Pedro Show that chunk of music started off with Susto doing Life is Suffering and then God by Voices brand new Maintenance Man of the Haunted House. Speaking of thrillers, <laughs> somebody's got to clean up after the big scare, right? And Northern <laughs> Jaw brand new. This is Western Expansion, the slight meditation version. Victoria Shen, 
an excerpt from a three-speed record. Yeah, she's like fucking glued like three records together and has all the styluses going on. Uh, Gabby went after that from her uh, debut album, Breathe. Is that two? Graf out of Netherlands. Sally Whalen on the bass. Rustin Vreda Fear. How Yes No Strike out of Croatia. Kova uh, Yeah, I keep forgetting how to say that. Uh, after, and then Boiling Points from uh, SLWCC Watt, Bombas Prendon, Lo and Behold, and finally Susto with Summertime. Uh, probably not the one Janis Joplin did, Big Brother and Home Company. So, so how long does Killed in Action last? It lasted about a year and a half, I guess. Not super long. I mean, it, it kind of transitioned into like, another band after that and then well, can you remember the and, can you remember the first susto gig yeah i do so like susto kind of became a thing for me in like 2013 i uh i oh okay other... that's much later but let's let's yeah. st let's stick to kill an action can you remember the first killed an action gig yeah it was at my friend's sister's birthday party and we got a noise violation oh so kind of a success. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that, that was a success for us. We were, we were, uh, it was all it all felt really really cool and fun for us. You know? Yeah, were you scared? No, I mean like it was my it was at my friend's house, so like we were playing on their like back porch for the, these like high school kids partying and stuff like, and their uh, their parents just kind of handled it. We had to like raise the money to pay the the uh, violation by like you know trying to. <laughs> sell CDs and stuff, but and people helped us. See, hey, music, so music, cool. it's all music. It's about music. I, look, man, I remember, like, to me, like, playing for your friends was like Little League, where you have to, like, bat against your friend who's pitching. Totally. <laughs> Total yeah. pants shitter for what? <laughs> so, that, so I always ask about that. Some people are born entertainers. You know, D. Boone, hard charger. But uh, me, I just want to be with my friend, so using his courage, I kind of borrowed it. <laughs> Hey, so, so that it's good to have somebody you can borrow from. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very grateful for that. Believe me. And his mom put me on base. Look, uh, you said that Killed in Action transitions. Like some of the members, like, of course, you, but some other cats, too, went on to make another band? Yeah, we kind of, we we moved on to this band called The December Tragedy, which, like, sounds very much like an early 2000s band we were trying to be. We were, like, we were naming ourselves after, like, a month you know it was kind of in vogue at that time but um and we were still in high school this is like that was probably in like killed in action was like the 10th grade the december tragedy was the 11th grade and then in the 12th grade i started this kind of i kind of moved on from the group of guys i'd been playing with and because when i got kicked out of school i went to this new school and started meeting other people that played so like sure. that was when i started this, this kind of like folk band called sequoia prep school and i was in that band for 10 years and whoa we put out like four albums did a lot that was how i got my start with diy touring and all that um and i did that up until like february of 2013. did you name and the band I, justin can yeah, you name the band yeah because you know well, sequoias you know sequoias are the oldest living fucking organism on the planet like, those motherfuckers right, are over yeah. a thousand years we call them redwoods right Right. Yeah, they're 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 uh, kind of by uh, north uh, north my uh, San Francisco area and stuff. Yeah, I've been I've been, I've been fortunate to see them a couple times, and I 
But the interesting thing, though, the caveat is that we weren't actually naming the band after the trees. We were naming the band after the Native American. Oh, yeah, yeah, Sequoia, of course. Sequoia, who invented the Cherokee alphabet. Uh, absolutely. Um, and he's spelled, spelled slightly different. There's an H at the end. And, um, but we were in American history class learning about him in the 12th grade. And we're like, oh, let's name our band Sequoia Prep School. And it was kind of like just an idea. And then we... We wrote some songs, put them on MySpace, and then we started kind of getting like some traction locally and kind of in state. And we started, you know, playing shows. And for the first time in my life, people were showing up to shows and like singing the lyrics. And so that was like, that was kind of the that band and being in that band was kind of the moment where I kind of got the the music industry really got its claws in me, like in a, in a good way because I like I had that experience of connection with people. And I after that, I there was probably not really any turning back even though i i did try to turn back at the end of that band because i did a lot of kind of do it yourself you know trying to get break break the band um and it just didn't really get us anywhere and so when in my mid-20s i kind of like decided to give up on it i moved to cuba for a little while and then that's kind of where susto got started because i, I had already started writing some songs but when i got down to havana i met people that were kind of that were really encouraging me to like not give up on the music just because I had kind of, I felt like I had hit a wall with all my projects before that. Yeah. But, um, you know, going and living in Havana for like six months was, was life changing for me because it, it helped me get the confidence and helped me write more songs to like complete the first Susto album. So I kind of came back from that, released it in early 2014 and I've just been kind of going ever since. Can I ask you, Justin, when you were in Cuba, did you get to play with Cuba musicians? Yeah, I played the first, like, you're asking about the first um, Susto show, and, like, the, technically the first Susto show wasn't in Cuba, it was in, in South Carolina, it was a solo show, but but the first, the, the first within the first five shows of Susto, though, they were in Cuba, I was playing with some guys I met, and we, uh, they kind of became the band for me down there, I had a guitar player, bass player, and a drummer, and then I played guitar, too, and, and my guitar player sang harmonies with me, and I still keep in contact with all those guys, and the guy who played guitar and sang with me like became a really close friend and is still an active songwriter with me like in Susto today. He's he's since immigrated to uh, to Mexico and then actually just a couple of weeks ago he got, he got to come to the U.S. for the first time in his entire life. So he came and he went on the road with us. And we did some shows and um, so that you know that that founding of Susto there is, is something that's really stuck with me because I, I'll always remember that time. There's is kind of like the moment when I fell in love with music for music's sake again. Because I think for a while I've been really caught up with the idea of trying to get a booking agent or a team or a label attention or something like that. And when I got to Havana, I just realized, you know what? Like I remember why I started doing it in the first place because I love music, and and it was a chance for me to kind of like reclaim that and um, and rediscover it. Justin, what are gigs like uh, playing down there? Well, I don't know if I'm the best person to ask because mine were all pretty thrown together. You know, they were like two of them were private parties and the other one was at like a, a socialist um, party meeting. Um, and so they weren't. But I did go to a lot of shows and um, they 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 were they're fun. It was like the energy is just really there. There's not a lot of pretense. And also the gear is kind of thrown together because it's Cuba. There's not a, you can barely even find picks and strings. Right. Um, but um yeah, but they were really fun. What, what about the I stuff get, with the the, the <clears throat> conga and the tumba and the cajon and you know the percussion thing? Did you get to totally check I mean, that out? I did. I was kind of so there is there is obviously a, a really well documented and celebrated um, tradition of Afro Cuban music. Sure. And I was 
enamored by all that and loved it. But it wasn't really where my background was at, so I couldn't just jump in and play. I got to witness and 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 be a spectator for a lot of really wonderful performances of that sort of thing. But what I kind of fell in love with is this, this style called trova music. Trova. Um, and it's it's kind of like a yeah, it's like a cognate of our word troubadour. Yeah. So it's like a trovadore is a is like a like a singer songwriter. Yeah, minstrel in, in yeah. Cuba. Yeah, and. And so I, I didn't speak Spanish very well, but my friends who were playing the band with me would like take their time to like really translate the lyrics from some of their favorite Trova songs and explain to me why they were so good. And, and I and I and I was there for it, you know. It like really opened me up to like thinking about how to be more honest uh, and confessional, but also kind of lighthearted and just like uh, and even sometimes you know a little sexual. We need to be like in a in a lighthearted way, like. Trova music was just really beautiful and rich in that way. Yeah. And <clears throat> even though there's like, a, you know, obviously a, an incredible singer songwriter tradition in America as well, like for me, I think like getting to like see the craft through the lens of like a different culture in a different place, like really helped me. Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolute. Uh, develop, you know, and I took a lot of those things, those lessons I was learning from those Trova songs, started uh, adding them into my songs too. And even though I've never been there, you know, bass out of Latin America and Cuba especially a uh, big influence on me big influence on yeah. my playing you know I gotta say Brazil too but uh, well all Latin Absolutely. America really but yeah so one day man Cacho that was his name there was uh, some great bass out of there uh, we're at the end of the first hour October 12 2021 Dishwap Pedro Show special guest Justin Osborne hold tight for hour two October 12 2021 it's the second hour of the Lot from Pedro Show
Making damage, making damage, bounce a tennis ball off that stainless steel all day long. It won't leave a mark. It won't make a dent. But maybe over time, inevitably.
For Pedro, show starting off the second hour. John Wilkes, Susto, then Ben Salter out of Tasmania with Damage, Landowner out of England with Victim of Redlining, Howie Reed, Dreams Are Dangerous, in Glasgow, 99 Cents, Brother Tim's Prodigies, Joker is the tune, Fire's Body, Slow Burn, No Wood, Only Now, that's the name of the project, featuring Sheila Bring, then Susto with Diamonds Icaro, pronounce that right? Yes, okay. I believe so. Okay, as far as I know. Now, now, so you say there's a susto. Obviously, some of the guys couldn't come, right? Just the, the one guy you get to write songs with, just recently. So, but there is a version of susto here in the U.S., right? Right, and that, I mean, when I like when I the, the kind of founding days in Cuba, that was that was you know that was 2013. So I, I came back and started trying to put a band together and. And the band has kind of evolved. It's kind of been a rotating cast of my friends and collaborators. Most, mostly all have been from where I live in Charleston, South Carolina. 
Um, but, at, but you know, it's kind of evolved, like I said, over the years, but now we have, a, um, we're a six piece and, uh, most of us are from, are from Charleston or, or living in Charleston. Um, and, but one of our members, uh, our favorite lady, Jordan Reynolds, Miss Rose hotel, we, um, we call her Rose, but she, uh, she lives in Atlanta and, um, uh, but yeah, we have a, you know, it's been a, I've been fortunate to play with a lot of really incredible people and people have kind of come in and out of the project and like left their mark. And, but you know, the, the great thing has been like people have come in and out, but it's always been on good terms. And, and I've always continued to kind of be able to collaborate with those folks, even like whenever, you know, they might go their own way to pursue a different project. But, um, that's, that's the kind of, a it, it's it, the, the lineup has been fluid and that's just kind of, uh, how it's been kind of since the beginning. I mean, even in Cuba, it was just like, yeah, let me ask is, you about, cause you recorded your first stuff with Susto in Cuba, right? I, I had started recording it in Charleston, really. I had, like, I'd recorded a few, uh, a few songs, and, and then I didn't really record anything from any Susto album in Cuba. I did record a solo album there with my buddy Camilo, who I was mentioning earlier, that yeah. was called Vampiros de la Habana. But, okay. um, but that was not really under the umbrella of Susto. But because I wanted to ask you about what's it like recording there, because everything's Econo, right? So I was wondering about the studio. Yeah. Well, so like I said, I didn't do any Susto stuff, but I did record this kind of like so solo record with Camilo, and yeah. we did it in a home studio. This guy who's like one of the most, this guy named Marco, and he was one of the the like the most renowned guitar player, electric guitar players in Cuba. Um, but he had a like this this uh, studio in a closet in his in his house, and the closet <laughs> the the house the house was like this old house with really tall ceilings. I mean, probably like. 12 feet or something so yeah the, what he did what, what he did was split the closet into two levels and so he had the control room and the base level and there was like a couple of seats and it was like you know really tight in there like there were three of us in there and it was about that was about all you could fit yeah. and above that there was a platform he had built that was the tracking room and i'd sit up there but, the, but where that was was like right exposed to all these like boiler pipes and stuff and also when we we're recording this it's like cuba in the spring and summer so it's hot anyway swelter yeah I, yeah, I just remember getting up there and it being like seriously like a sauna. Come <laughs> down from doing a come down from doing a take. Yeah, you come down the little ladder and you're just all your clothes and everything are just soaked. Sopping, the guitars yeah. were, had sweat all over them, you know. But um, that's the only recording experience I really had. I know there are you know legitimate studios in Cuba that people work in, but usually to have access to that, you're gonna have to be like have the connects. top tier. Yeah, yeah, of Cuban Cuban musicians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, what about Charleston? Yeah, so in Charleston, we've kind of taken a DIY approach mostly. I mean, our first two albums were recorded in a storage unit. And, um, you know, we, we had a mutual friend of Dylan Dickerson. Dylan's also worked there. It's, it's a buddy of mine, Wolfgang Zimmerman, is the guy who was engineered and produced all my records. Um, and the, the first two we, uh, well, he, the first two he engineered and produced, the third one was the first time we got signed to a label. And we actually got to go up to Asheville, North Carolina, and work in this cool studio called Echo Mountain. But then um, kind of over the last two years, like Wolfgang has, you know, his career has progressed as well. And, and he finally got his own home studio. And uh, and that's where we recorded my most recent album that's going to come out later this month. And that's Time in the Sun. That's um, uh, and we recorded it at his studio called The Space. Um, but it's still got that DIY vibe because it's like, you know, I, I w we've been working together since before he even had the storage unit when we were recording in bedrooms and stuff. And um, so like to have come this far and still be collaborating together is is a really special bond and relationship. And um, so I, I, I pretty much exclusively work 
at his studio when I'm in Charleston. But but there are some other great studios around that I like to go in. Sometimes I'll go collaborate with other people in. And, um, you know, it's a Charleston isn't like known to be a big music city, but I think anyone who has spent time there would know that there is a, a, a robust and really alive music scene. Oh, I know, and, uh, I know, I know. Yeah. I've always dug playing there. I, I think the first... God, I can't. I, I think it was Music Farm the first pet. You know, one of the oh, yeah. Music Farms. There was three or four. Right. Look, there's been iterations of music. Right, right, right. And, and I could tell you some stuff about uh, people like Woody. You know, in the Wave. I don't know how far back you go in. Uh, yeah. Okay, you know about that shit and and uh, yeah, Miskins downtown and shit. It was like a sports yeah. bar. <laughs> it's the only place to play for a while. Look, you gave me yeah. this. Uh, Every since I lost my mind, I want to play that. Okay. Since I lost my mind Things haven't been quite the same I used to see you all the goddamn time You were always remembering names But out on the highway I don't know Since I moved away But finding myself wondering why I really can't help but say I haven't seen your face in a while Well, head out on the I lost my mind Things haven't been quite the same I used to see you all the goddamn time You were always remembering names About all
dream that we were doing hard drugs in the street alley. You were lying dead next to me. You said you had a vision of Vietnam. You saw me jump on a grenade and watch my limbs fall off, but I was in heaven. Asking, you can tell them the truth. I've had a long time struggle with substance abuse, but I feel fine. And if you really think he loves you and you want to go away, well, I want the best, and I'm not here to make you stay. I'm just glad that I found you, and sorry that I couldn't keep you around. Turned us away. You had an outstanding balance we couldn't pay. You started crying. Then in the pouring rain, we found you a hospital bed. And when they picked you up to move you, all the sheets were red. You were a woman then. Well, I don't. Asking, but I'll tell them the truth. I've had a real hard time losing you, and you can tell me that he loves you, but I know it's a lie 'cause I've seen how he treats you. And honey, I don't wanna fight. I'm just glad that I found you, and sorry that I couldn't keep you around. Pedro show, yeah, that's Susto with Ever Since I Lost My Mind. Then uh, some stuff, uh, yeah, Randolph Carter sent me some stuff from Eugene, something hard. And this is My Daddy Ate My Eyes, C is for Catharsis, Stowe Carter Project, which, which he title, yeah, Beyond What. 
Love bounded by water with the narrow footbridge over the abyss. That's a good title. And Mochatoma, I think out of uh, Ukraine. Utonut. And then finally, Susta. Hard drugs. Oh boy, that's scary. <laughs> so, do you carry a, like a little notebook of your lyrics? Or do you like write your words for songs on demand? I can't, I don't really, I mean, I, I have a notebook in case I need to write something down. Sometimes my brain needs that just if I'm trying to really hone in on what the, the lyrics need to be. Um, but a lot of it I do in my head and, and a lot of it does come kind of off the cuff. Um, either when I'm writing a song by myself or if we're in the studio and I'm working on something with somebody else, like I just kind of like to write in the moment and not overthink it because I feel like if I overthink it, then I'm, I'm cutting off the ether, you know, and like I have to like, absolutely. Can Not I ask you, do you, uh, can I ask you, do you make, uh, demos? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, I make demos on my own and then even sometimes like I'll make a bunch of demos in a studio setting before I go in and try and, you know, hit it with the band and everything. But a sure. lot of times sure. the, the usual process for me is yeah. making a demo on a voice recording and then going into the studio and just kind of slowly or quickly kind of like building it up from the from the bottom kind of sharing the song with with wolfie uh and and then bringing in whoever we need to play on it and and in the studio is kind of a rotating cast as well i mean it's not always the same people live as it is in the studio um usually everyone in the live band has some sort of uh role to play in the studio but um because wolfie is is a drummer and i'm used to having that dynamic he typically plays the drums on the records oh cool my live, but my live drummer marshall who's also a great pianist will come in and play a lot of keys and and he also does all of our album artwork and stuff like that so everyone has different roles at different you know at different moments for the band but i'm fortunate they're all open to that kind of fluidity because it, it makes it, it, it takes a lot of the pressure off to like always do things the same way you know yeah of course of course and the, the wolf band uh kind of co-producer yeah absolutely i mean he we, at this point we're we, it's definitely more co-producing because i'm but it's always really kind of in co-producing he he's always know more about the engineering uh and obviously he's a drummer and like and then and the mixing stuff but then you know i've always and i've always kind of been the one producing my own vocals and like and kind of together we kind of like dictate like what everybody else does a little bit and try and facilitate just to get, you know, good takes out of everybody. Cause we get a lot of talented folks in there. And, um, but yeah, so I, I would say co-producers is, is a pretty accurate way to describe our relationship. And you mentioned about playing on other people. So, so that when you do music, you're not always the shot caller. Sometimes you help other people realize their music vision. Yeah. That's something, you know, it's been really more of a recent thing because I, I've just been so focused on, the band in the past and also touring a lot that I haven't really been available to work on other projects with other people and also I wasn't really getting invited a lot like but um but now that's changing I think like uh you know I'm not like a ripping guitar player or keys player or anything like that I mean I can go play some rhythm for you if you need me to but 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 you know the lyrics and the melody and stuff is something that I've really focused on trying to be better at every day and so it's kind of in that realm that I mean, I get calls now it's like you know hey can, you want to come in and help me finish this song and then maybe sing on it or, you know, help produce it. Like, so it's, those are the places where I feel comfortable helping out. And that's kind of where I'm finding myself getting to help out. And it's so fun because it takes, you know, there's a lot of pressure, not a lot of pressure. I mean, it's still fun, but like the Susto stuff is 
a lot of it's about narrative, having a consistent narrative. That yeah, goes yeah, and you got to own it, right? You got to own it, yeah. right? Yeah, I so, understand. So that, that pressure is off whenever you know it's somebody else. It's like right. You can, but I there's can pressure. There's else. another kind of pressure though, right? You want to do good for them. Yeah, I absolutely want to do good, and I always bring my A game to those things. But yeah. it's also like if they, it's up to them to decide whether or not. It's absolutely, absolutely. Like. Yeah. If I if I work on a song with somebody, and they're like, you know what? I don't think that was going to make the record. I, it doesn't bother me. I get it because. You know, I, I've been in their shoes too. So. Yeah, that's well. I mean, that's I mean, the I mean, whole thing. Involved. That's how you get real empathy. You t that's what tr a trading places is about. I think. Look, we're at the end of the yeah. second hour, October 12, twenty twenty one. Dish what Beatles special guest Justin Osborne. Hot type fire three. October 12, twenty twenty one. Third hour. Lot for Pedro show.
Thank you.
of mine at the time Says he's moving to Los Angeles He can't go out in town Without these people start to panic You know that he is a friend of mine And that I'm gonna miss him Homegirl of mine, she's fine, yeah She moved to Buenos So start off the third hour, far out feeling, Susto, and Babes New York City. <laughs> Still think the worst band name ever, but I, I like their songs. Old Gum. <laughs> That's the title. When 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 you, uh, you, your titles come last? Uh, no, it, it doesn't. All, it's not always the same. Okay. Oh, sorry, I got a fire truck going by me. I don't even hear that. But it's okay. Um, yeah, sometimes like 
I mean, I write a lot without really thinking about it, like I said. So I'll just like kind of like start find a groove I like that I'm playing and then just sing over that. Yeah. And a lot of times I'll just pull the the title out of whatever lyrics I've kind of like come up with off the top of my head. Or chorus. There's other times where where like I'll know that I really want to write a song yeah. with a certain title that says a certain thing, and so yeah. you know that's. I kind of take it from different ways. There's not. I, I try to, you know, have fun with it and mix it up and not be afraid to kind of, you know, have a different experience with with with, uh, with a new song. You know. Yeah, I have to do it that second way. I have to come up with the title first so I don't have any focus. But like, hardly anybody I ask does that. There was somebody a couple episodes ago, but yeah. Now, then we had a come back to Bali from ID de Femel, Tallum at residence and his big journey playing everywhere he can. I think they just sold the van, so they don't have a pad or a van. Him and his wife, uh, I think they're doing gigs via train now. Safe seas, Brother Tom. Disputing tones with membranes and ossicles. James Twig Harper and R Rubber O. Cement. Then uh, Homeboy, Susto. Ig had a song called Homeboy that Scotty told me that came out of a jam that they did. One of those cool. uh, solo records he did in the 90s, 80s. So, the, the Susto album, the songs that you gave me for this show, are they, they're not all from the same record, are they? No, they're, they're all from, um, well, I didn't really give you any from my first album, um, which we still play a lot of those songs, but uh, it was really like an access thing. I didn't have uh, access to the files, but um, we, the, some of the songs you played are from my second album, and I'm fine today. And then a, a few are from uh, my third album, Ever Since I Lost My Mind. And then there's a, a couple, too, that um, that I gave you from my upcoming album, Time in the Sun, which is going to come out later this month. And we, okay, we well, let's a, let's talk about that one, then. Now, cool. th this this baby probably was recorded, you know, it's during the situation, right, with the COVID-19. So yeah, are a lot of the songs, were they written before the situation or during? Well, so they the songwriting for that like started with a, one or two of them like as far back as like late 2018, um, and then uh, we started actually recording in like 2020 in January, um, and then the recording lasted until like May of this year 2021. Um, so obviously, right after we started recording, the the whole you know COVID situation hit, but also like in in the middle of 2019, I had become a dad. So I had my, my daughter was born and I was like, kind of like having all these contemplations about life and what that meant. And so not that it was going to be a record all about that, but that was kind of what was influencing me to write. Um, you started writing then, some songs about your little girl, right? Yeah. Well, just to her, for her, like just about myself and life, just trying to communicate sure. in part knowledge i don't know why we feel compelled to do that we well uh, a sea uh, in your life justin a sea change yeah so you brought in a new shipmate change. you brought a new shipmate aboard <laughs> yeah and, I, and she's the best you know like but the thing the the kind of other side of the coin with the record was like so after about midway through it i lost my own dad so, oh, um, so, so sorry. All of a sudden, I found myself stuck between, not stuck, but just just found myself in between birth and, and death. death. Yeah, yeah, the two yeah. big fucking bookends that we all right. share as human beings. And I was about like 33, I'm 34 now, so I was like 33 when a lot of this stuff was going on. And um, Man, I was 34 and, when I lost my pop, about the same. Really? Yeah, I wouldn't oh, shoot you. Yeah, 
So it, uh, it, you know, my dad was about that age when I was born, and then my daughter was just being born. So I really felt like I was right in the middle of, like you said, the two bookends. And yeah. um, so the album started to shift from being just about like new life and birth to being more about like all everything in between those two bookends, and and also the the ultimate bookend of my you know of, of death and yeah so i mean that's a, the time in the sun is kind of like just a metaphor for life i guess you know like because it started just really hitting me it's like well we're just sitting here doing laps around the sun and we're trying to see as get as many as we can you know and right. um and so it's just it's it's not like necessarily a concept album but it's definitely influenced by the themes of life and death that i was experiencing in a very visceral way yeah big um, time <laughs> Look, uh, you gave me this tune, If I Was. Yeah. Is this from this period? That's actually from my third album, but it's uh, it's one of my favorite tunes we have. That's what I mean. Um, well, you, oh, you mean this this new one's your fourth album? This new one is my fourth album. Okay, okay. Understood. So this is the album before.
From Pedro Show, last music for this edition. Susto with If I Was. Then uh, from Ophelia's brand new record, I think Cincinnati. Becoming a Nun. Bad Blood August out of Hamburg. Bleeding Hearts. Germany, huh? Ration. This is a buddy of Larry up in Oregon, but uh, I don't know where Ray is. This watch blows cool air. That's a trippy time. Overall, from Glasgow, drawing the line. And finally, Susto, mountaintop. So, uh, what's the plan now? We'll get the record out, right? Yeah, well, we, yeah, we're getting it out. I mean, things are still a little weird with shows, but, yeah, you know, of course. the, the, cal- the calendar's starting to, to fill up. And, yep, I mean, yep. essentially, the plan, the plan is to spend the next 18 months, two years, traveling and playing the songs and, yeah. um, and that's you know that's like you know it's like the recording process is one side of it and then like once that album comes out you hit the other side of it which is 
the performing it live. Yeah. And, um, I'm, I'm excited for that. You know, I'm excited to finally get out and share these songs. And, and we started to a little bit already, but the band's feeling really good. And, um, you know, we got a great team behind us right now. So we're, we're excited. It's going to be, I mean, and also we've been off the road essentially for a couple of years I and mean, we've been playing here and there in the last few months, but, um, I'm just excited to do what I love again, you know, and travel around and check in with everybody. And all this now, now here's the trippy thing stuff. about also getting a record recorded. Wow, that's all done. Then are you the kind of guy that's like, well, I got to start thinking about recording the next one? Totally. I mean, I'm on my way up to Asheville now to start recording. <laughs> so, like, I'm, I I mean, I... Wow, I okay, recording. so you are working on the next one even, even yeah, though you ain't I'm even been on the road with this. Okay, okay. I'm working on number five already. I really started working on it before the other one was even finished because we went down to Mexico at the beginning of this year to get some, um, to give my buddy Camilo from Cuba a chance sure. to sing background vocals and stuff on the on the record. Yeah. And while we were down there, we started writing more songs. So I started writing for my next album, you know, in January with Camilo in Cuba. And so I'm, I've, it's, you know, I, I, I never like to stop too long. It's like, you know, and, and it's not like I really can. Like songwriting is a part of my identity and it's, it's what I do yeah. and what I breathe. So, um, so yeah, there's, there's, ne there's always overlap because like I never really take a pause from it. Well, can I ask you this, Justin? Have you ever had yeah. writer block? I have, yeah. And sometimes- Ain't that a fucking nightmare? Like, oh my God. Yeah, it's it like, is. what the fuck's this about? This is what I do. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bummer, you know. Well, get, tell me like, some technique you got to overcome that shit. I don't know if I have technique. I mean, I think one one thing always helps is like if I'm working on one project, usually I need to like get that wrapped up, not necessarily released, but like you know mastered and done and put a stamp on it um, before I can free up space in my head. Uh, that's not always the case, but sometimes that helps. So don't yeah. don't don't leave uh, dangling strings. Right. Yeah. And, and another thing that I, I think just like initiating some sort of change in my life really helps. Um, and I try to do that in as responsible a way as I can. Dynamic, um, big dynamic. Okay. That, that yeah. sounds like good stuff. Look, when you get number five done, will you come back on the show and we can play it and talk about it? Absolutely. I'm looking forward to oh, that. Oh man. Thank you so much. Big arm to have you safe seas on this torn and stuff and good luck on your way to Asheville right now with some recording. Um, uh, Truly. People, it's been October 12, 2021 edition of the WAP Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.